welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast, the first round review of 2021. We are through nine games of football and into our first ranking of the year. I'm joined, of course, by Pistol. How are you? I don't really know how to answer that question. I feel a bit <laughs> disappointed uh, from round one, but oh, also on. excited for round two. So I'm, I'm like kind of already fence-sitting, which is a great way to start the podcast. Well, don't, don't make me ask... How did you go week one? <laughs> uh, it, was a, it wasn't great. Uh, I scored 19.64 and I was disappointed to have missed out on all the high scoring rookies. Some people seem to nail one, some people nail two. And I almost played the like ironically bad, like all the poor rookies on field. So I copped some very low rookie scores, which hurts. But um, I guess overall, I can't be too upset given... All my primos, except for the rucks, scored really well. So I guess the, I can take some solace in that. Well, I was barely better with uh, 2047 uh, in at rank 13K approximately. The good thing is last year, I remember um, after the first week, I think Naismith tunned up. Neither of the big ruckmen um, hit the ton for the week. Kind of like, I don't know, Tom Hickey is the Sydney ruckman who tunned up this year. who was cheap and neither of the big ruckmen hit the ton. Crazy parallels I'm drawing here, um, but essentially <laughs> I started at 50k and ended up working my way back into you know the top 3k at Damn. one point of the year. So before I gave up and threw it all in the bin. But anyway, um, what did I do? Now you've got me. You curious. did the opposite. You did the opposite. I think did you I start well, well last year? Yeah. <laughs> but oh, you still you still finished well. No, no, no. But last year I'm round one. Say, okay, 30, 32k there round one last year. I was. Thir- I'm thirty. Naismith. I'm 33k this year, so Perfect. I'm one thousand worse. And yeah, obviously that means you're gonna that's, you're gonna finish a hundred spots worse than last year. Then uh, I could do with another top five hundred finish. That wouldn't be the end of the world. There you go. Um, so <laughs> the bottom line is the the good teams sometimes don't score as well as they should in the first week. Never the end of the world. You can fight your way back from any ranking. So uh, hey, JB, I'm not stressed. In, in 2019, I was also 32k, and this year I'm so I've had three years in a row of nearly the identical rank. How weird's that? Not that weird. Um, like, I'm going to jump like into the... Within 1,000 rank in all three <laughs> okay, of my life. Please. Hey, in 2016, I, I was also 31K. Uh, what? This is getting what weird now. What the hell is going on? Now it's weird. I guess I'm I always the same. Now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm really bad at round one teams. Anyway, sorry. Let's continue the podcast. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, all right, I'm going to jump into the Patreon signups for the week. Uh, it's been a seven days since we last shouted them out, so there's a few here to catch up on. And a pat on the back to us, Pistol. 400 Patreons now, 400 amazing supportive people, um, not only supportive of us, but supportive of the Cancer Council, uh, who we got a donation for earlier as well that we'll read out. Amazing that we're going to get over the 400 mark this year. I think I remember talking in our first year and, and not thinking we'd hit triple figures because we are generally dull people and offer nothing. So um, <laughs> awesome that people are just so willing and wanting to support us and incredibly grateful. We can't we can't even express it enough how grateful and how surprised we are at, at how generous you guys continue to be. So um, amazing. If you wanted to say something, Pistol? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Now, we've got some sign-ups. Brady Bennett, the first one. Kel Jam, great name there, Kel Jam. Rick Edwards, Harrison Banks, Paul Ashenden, Tom M, Liam Wright, Ash, uh, sorry, AC Schmoney, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, a fake name. Oh, no, it's definitely real. AC Schmoney? 
Okay. Sam Williams, Mark243. That might be a fake name. Richo, Josh C, Troy Rendell, Joshua, Kieran Bartlett, Nicholas Ollington, Tristan Minter, Reese Arms, and Mia Phillip. So thank you very much, guys, for coming and supporting us. We hope you've enjoyed your first week or less in this Slack. Um, Slack has been going crazy, crazy in the last week. Game Day, I think, had um, unlimited messages uh, during the week when the games were being played. So a lot of crazy stuff happening over there. As you guys all know, uh, we're going to jump straight into the pot. Oh, sorry, we're not. What's the Cancel Council, Dono? Sorry, Let's do the Cancel sorry, Council. Yeah, I nearly yeah, cut I was, you off. I was going to say, I don't know if we announced in the last podcast we, that we, we passed over the 1 million message mark in Slack. <laughs> Which is oh, quite ridiculous. Yes. Uh, given it's only been up and running for, what, two years? Uh, yeah, so over a million messages. Obviously, you don't need to try to read all of them, but, you know, maybe like 700,000 would read be a good, one. a good way to do it. Um, but yeah, I'll jump into the Cancer Council. Uh, one donation for this week. I guess no one had to do anything. No one had to donate for doing something uh, silly. So I guess no donate for dumb things. But we do have one from. Matt Ryan, uh, he and I made a bet at the beginning of February. Um, he said that I wouldn't play a mid-pricer at D6 because I was very concerned about the defensive rookies, and I said I would, and I did. And he paid up, which I always appreciate someone you know sticking to their word when they make bets. So thank you very much, Matt, and the Cancer Council definitely appreciates your support. Great stuff. So thanks thanks for that, Matt. And thank you, Pistol, for sabotaging your whole team just to win a bet. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, it was t- <laughs> lost 80 points for it, but totally worth it. <laughs> uh, excellent. That's what we like to hear. Um, having said that, we're going to jump into the actual podcast now. Um, we've got a few talking points. We're not going to go game by game in this one. I think there are some important things that we sort of need to crack down on that will probably cover a lot of the other stuff that we would have spoken about in a game by game format. So hope this one suits yep. you guys for the podcast. But we're going to start off with the main topic. It's happening um, either as we speak or tomorrow night. I'm not quite sure. But um, Dangerfield going through the tribunal, um, three plus weeks on the cards, I'd say. I'd be pretty shocked. In fact, I'll eat a Sharon on the podcast next episode if it's not two or three weeks. So we're talking about a trade-out option. Um, that's how we're going to assess it and discuss it this podcast. And I think we're going to entertain the fact that he didn't get suspended for a few games. Um, obviously, I'll start off with the, the simple question, two games or more in a ranking setting, are we trading out? Yeah, usually my threshold is three games and more is a trade and two games I would hold, especially, look, it, I think there's a couple of different factors at play here. One, it's right at the beginning of the season before prices have changed. Um, it's almost like a rookie correctional trade, I feel, where there's someone that you desperately wanted and you just didn't start and now you have your chance to be able to get them. So there's that kind of, um, I guess, side note. And two, it's also difficult on the flip side to trade out someone that's probably going to be the number one player on their line. You never really want to trade out someone who you're going to definitely have to trade back into your side. I know last season in like round four when I traded out um, Dusty when he was out to for one week, well, I did think it was going to be more, um, to Neil, I didn't trade in Dusty again for the rest of the year and it didn't really burn me too badly, whereas Dangerfield is someone that we will definitely have to trade back into our side at some stage throughout the year. So that's another factor that we we really do have to consider. I mean, there are, there are a few things, and I'm not saying we're not going to want to 
trade him in later on in the year. There are a few things to suggest that we could get through to the buyer quite easily without Dangerfield in our teams. Um, firstly, he played a lot of forward, um, even without Jeremy Cameron in the team. And Sorry, with Jeremy Cameron. That, that's I the problem. Either without, that is the problem. But the fact is, Josh Jenkins replaced Jeremy Cameron. So it's not like they didn't go life for life. Jen- Jenkins isn't playing up the field or in the midfield or he's not, he's not a roaming half forward. He's a stout home forward as well. Legitimately, generally, he would not venture outside the goal square. Um, that's kind of his thing. So I think that is concerning the fact that Dangerfield still played so much forward time. After the game, Scott said he likes to do it. I like when he does it. We like him forward. He doesn't have the tank to play full midfield. Maybe not. He didn't use the word tank, but he just said he can't play full-time midfield now. Um, and kind of contradicted everything he said in the preseason that made us really, <laughs> really desire the Dangerfield pick, um, which is very Chris Scott-like, which sucks that we didn't read that initially. But um, he still had a decent game, but it, it just doesn't scream 120 average hype train towards the buy. It just feels like he's going to tick away and do what he does. And if we upgrade him later, we, we just do that and you know get the, the two weeks worth of scores now. I'd still be very careful, though, reading much you know, into that game because they lost, which no one would have expected, and it's not like he scored badly. Like He still scored no, well for didn't. a forward. Like 92 yeah. is totally fine for a forward in a loss. So I, I would still expect that he's going to be trying to get back into our sides like, pretty quickly after he comes back in, especially if he comes back in with a bang. I mean, maybe that was a bad choice of words, but you know what I mean. Have you, um, have you seen the footage? Really well. The footage yeah, of, the, yeah. of the game I was where watching the game. No, 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 no. There was actual footage that came out afterwards um, of one of a Crows fan recording him standing in the goal square while the ball was stuck all the way up in the Crows forward fifty, and Dangerfield did not have an opponent. He was just standing in the goal square waiting for it to like rebound back, <laughs> and like it, he <laughs> did that picking. for like five minutes straight. He just stood there in the goal square with no one near him, and the Crows ended up kicking a goal, and then he just stayed forward. Like that was his whole five minutes. Just of the resting. Game. No, but so like they save that, rotations. That's bad. <laughs> we don't we don't like that. That's not what we have Dangerfield for. And Is again, it better than the bench. No, but like, uh, well, I don't know. Actually, I think it's the same. Um, Might be I'm, worse if he gets scaled down. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, I'm not saying he's not pickable. Um, he's obviously going to be a top six forward. But the urgency in which we got him into our teams after that preseason game and the comments from Chris Scott does not seem to have the same effect now that we've seen him play and we've heard Scott's comments afterwards and he's going to miss two-plus games. Probably three. We're going on two-plus because we haven't heard yet. Let, it's probably going to be three. So At three, I'm trading. So I guess yeah, who, so are, let's, who are yeah. you looking at? That's right. Let's get over that speed hum and start talking about the trading options. So um, a few of them stand out. There are a lot of... Um, a lot of things happening at the moment of people already doing their trades and we can sort of read the data and see who people are looking at. Um, the number one option, if you stuck forward for you, is has been Dusty Martin so far by a good margin. Yeah, Dusty. Oh, man, look, he looks great. Don't get me wrong. And Carlton, it was a game where I think most of us that even didn't start him expected him to score really well. I I yep. just think there's still better picks. This is I didn't really see anything that made me think this is definitely going to continue for the rest of the season. Like he might still just go back. Like when you had the greatest season of all time, almost he, he averaged 117. It wasn't yeah, like he exactly. was off the absolute chain. And now we've got these 
midfield options we could trade danger to because there's so many DPP options uh, to get him into the midfield. And some of them could realistically go 120 plus. So I definitely don't feel like Dusty is the easy, like the best option like without having to take into consideration other options. He is a, a good price, I guess, as well. So there is that. But for me, I would consider some other options that are on the table. So with with Dustin Martin, and this this always has me curious because the urge to get someone in who looked as good as what Dusty did and generally always does in these big games is so high following the game. Obviously, everyone's just seen what he's done. They think that it's you know he's got that in him every week because he's such a good player and he could potentially have it in him every week. But for me, Dustin Dusty tends to have a really like two or three really out of the block scores. Um, he scored 126 against Carlton round one last year. He had a 184 against Bulldogs and then a 147 against Essendon. Besides that, he went 110 plus two other times for the entire season. So two, three big games and then two other good games and then barely scratched the 100. So mm. are we thinking, like, is, should this be a factor in that he's potentially gotten one of his best scores or his best score out of the way already, and the rest of it's going to be regressing to the mean in that, like, it's going to be a 105 average? Yeah, I I think that's more likely. However, that being said, I do think against Hawthorne, it's like an optimal matchup again for him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see another 130-plus score. So it's going to be really painful for non-owners to miss out on a 150 last week and, like, a 120 at least, (laughs) I would suggest, in round two. That's going to be really painful, but it's just going to be something where I think we have to grit our teeth and just you know smile through the pain whilst we trade in another option and then see Dusty kind of yeah regress to the mean, as you said, for the remainder of the season. So another forward option, um, if you didn't start with Josh Dunkley, um, I think Dunkley should be far and away one of your better options to look at, especially if you can only get a forward, probably your number one option to look at. Um, did you see anything negative about Dunkley's game on the weekend? No, so I think we got this one very spot on in the preseason. He's the fourth midfield option in the Bulldogs side. And because of the longer quarters, it allowed him to play a lot more percentage of mid-time than last year. And when Dunkley is in the midfield, he is so good. He just is phenomenal in that midfield. And he's going to score up well like he had another 30 touches seven marks only three tackles and that's well below his career average and his what where i'm expecting of him this season uh he should be double that this i think was not like a bad game for dunkley but i honestly he could average 110 plus and it, i would not blink an eyelid at it so for me he is someone who i think if you don't have you seriously need to consider consider getting even the i guess introduction of Trelaw he didn't even play he had two CBAs he played on the wing mm. you know all these players who we were worried about it just stayed who we thought would be Bontempelli McRae and Libba in the middle pretty much every time and then Dunkley rotating in no one else got a look in they were all just playing off the wing yeah Everyone even Bailey Smith forward. wasn't wasn't in the CBAs he just no, played really well as a half, half forward <laughs> a half yeah. forward yeah they they just Ran up and down. Um, so, it, for me, when you really correctional trade. Yeah. This is the guy who came directly to mind. If you didn't start Dunkley, you saw his game on the weekend. Yeah. I think this is a genuine 
you're not you're not just trading out danger for the sake of it. You're actually getting in who's probably going to be an F2 or F3. It could be F1. Um, it could be. Honestly, really Dunkley, could. Dunkley really could be yeah. score more on Dangerfield this season. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right, I got a few I more players 50, to talk 50. about. Two, two more guys who are generally spoken of as premiums and a mid-pricer I've got left to talk about. So, I've got a couple, um, but go, go nice. for it. Hopefully, I tick those boxes and we can just move on. Um, <laughs> Dane Zorko, 525K, scored 114 on the weekend. Um, when Rayner went down, I think it was sort of lightly discussed, um, probably not discussed enough from um, our group, Dr. Supercoach, um, but lightly discussed that Zorko would sort of just eat back some of that midfield time he, he decided to give up in the preseason. Um, we saw that here. He, he scored well from um, the midfield minutes that he did get and was also super impactful up forward despite the loss. Um, 114 points and just a typical Zorko game. I think not not so much a correctional because like, I don't think we anyone really missed the boat on Zorko. I think we all knew what he was going to be. Um, but I think just a genuine, honest trade in Zorko this week if, if you can only get forwards yeah he also had five frees against yeah so he that's could why have it was gone a typical even... Zorko game yeah it's true very well said he he honestly could have gone much oh, higher yeah. and when we when we think of Zorko obviously he's old as well but he's not super injury prone when you look at his history since 2013 he's played 22 games 21 22 20 21 22 22 15 last season missing only two that's pretty good he, mm. he in the last three seasons has only missed two games i think he has been overlooked and for his scoring history where he has gone above 110 before and frequently peppers 105 plus he could be somebody that you know sets you apart right from the beginning. So I, I definitely do think he's a very good trade-in. Now, I've got two more. Firstly, Isaac Heaney with the return of Buddy Franklin. A lot of people um, getting excited with Buddy coming back as um, I think it's a common thought that Isaac Heaney performs better with Buddy in the side. Um, I think it kind of started back when Isaac Heaney was starting to get a lot of midfield minutes as a young younger player and people thought you know he's a good midfielder when buddy comes back it obviously frees him up to spend more time in the midfield i think since then we've really learned that isaac's better as a forward um much better especially than over the midfield grip that they've got mills has obviously gone well past him as well i would say by this point um so i still think heaney's going to play up forward now with buddy coming back and i don't want to talk about this as a long-term proposition because we all know with buddy it's probably going to be um, yeah. a few weeks but with Buddy coming back, if Buddy does survive past the two, three weeks that he historically has not done, um, I don't think this bodes well for Heaney. It just, it's just another guy clogging up his leading lanes, um, someone else that can kick goals, another probably higher targeted player in their forward 50. Um, like I know I know Heaney's a popular pick generally speaking. He's only in 11% of teams this year, but I do not think it's Heaney's year. Um, I've said that all preseason. He scores really well in wins and really poorly in losses. Uh, they beat Brisbane Lions this week. They've got Adelaide next week, so maybe he starts starts really well in his first two. But I just can't see it continuing, and he is still injury prone. That that hasn't just gone away. Yeah, look, you said it pretty well. I, I've been, I guess, I'm higher on Heaney than you have been 
in the past, but it's hard for me to get past the round 14 bye as well. I think side bottom is going to outscore Heaney. Marshall seems just if the coverage is important. Although if Rucks are scoring poorly, Marshall might not be needed, but I'd I like have to said keep that as well, those but options he's, open. He's a really good forward um, and gets, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, really, it's really open with Marshall, I think, this year. You just want to keep that those yeah, are options yeah, 100%. open. So I don't really love locking in someone like Heaney right now when I don't know more, um, you know, for certain. I think he is going to score really well and wins, as you said. Honestly, if Swans play like this, they're going to have a lot more wins than any of us expected. So mm. I'm not really r- willing to go out now after this performance and say, well, Swans are going to finish in the bottom six. Because if they're going to knock off Brisbane, they could almost knock off anybody. So we'll have to watch how they're performing as a team. And if they're going to win you know, the next three or four games, five in a row, whatever it might be, then we might have to consider Heaney. I love that cheeky shout-out. Um, on to the <laughs> last one that I had on my list. You probably have another one that you're going to add to it. Um, your guy, Jaden Stevenson. Um, my guy. My yes, guy. <laughs> def- definitely your guy. Oh, no. Um, oh, that was... Oh, he. I've never seen him play that well before. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you lead. Go for it. Just talk oh about Jaden Stevenson. He was phenomenal. I, I, it was hard for me as a Collingwood supporter to watch him like dominate through the midfield. I think he was 15 handball receives. I think Fantasy Freako tweeted that out as well. So he was like hard-running midfielder. He was everywhere during this game, 33 touches, 5 marks, 7 tackles is an insane stat line, all in 76% time on ground. <laughs> it's beyond insane. 112 super coach points, only, you know, 3 of 50-odd K. However, however, I think people forget that Cunnington and Jed Anderson were both not in the side, and they're really best, you know, in their top five to ten or probably top five players for North Melbourne so it very well could push Stevenson out to the half forward flank and he might not get the same midfield time that he got in this match so no matter how good he looked I can't you know in good faith trade him in after one match without seeing his role when he's got these other players around them so that's kind of my take, but boy, was I yeah, a salty Collingwood supporter watching him tear it up. <laughs> um, having said that, high half forwards did score really well this week, so um, I don't think that yeah, the, the hope is all gone. But um, if he does go out onto a wing, it, it just can't be as beneficial as what he was this week. Um, and he had a really good stat line for only 112, so I think he has a little bit of dream team to supercoach conversion to clean up there as well. So he'd be a really risky player if you were taking Stevenson this week, but he's definitely one to watch during the year. Um, and look, honestly, if you're confident enough with the pick, who am I to talk you out of it anyway? So... Um, is that, that was your last one? Because I thought you were going to suggest Butters, but it just never turned up. No. In fact, if anything, I was going to say, if you missed out on Jack Zebra, would you consider going all the way down? Ah, oh, well, you could reinvest that cash anyway, but definitely if you miss Jay-Z, now with the news that Luke McDonald's probably up for a couple of weeks, I think Jay-Z is going to monopolize all those kick-ins as well, and, and he looked really good he was great. off the halfback. Scoring 113 points, I think if you missed out on him, it's not too late. You can still get him, and I, I would definitely be finding a way to to bring him in. Do you want to talk about butters? No, 
I know you want to talk about Butters. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Butters just was what he was this week. He got more CBAs, which was great. Um, when the game blew out, he missed the opportunity to get a lot of junk time points. He did most of the the scoring in uh, the more critical moments of the game and then just ticked along for the rest. Um, yeah. A lot of people mentioning his three frees against, but he did keep two goals, which I don't think will be the norm either, so they kind of cancel each other out. Um, it, like a goal a game is probably closer to where his, his norm will be. Um, but having said that, like he, he, he will just play well in wins. Um, I still think he averages 95 plus, but at this point, if you haven't started him and you've probably missed one of the guys that we've spoken about already, Dunkley, um, Zorko, players like that, then I will dust the even if you're if you're confident that he's not put his best footy behind him already. Um, then, yeah, you're just better off going one of those guys and, and picking Zach Butters up at the bye if he's still playing well. Yeah, I think that's uh, my plan, so I'll get him at the bye. So, JB, I guess people also can have Dangerfield in the midfield and Raul being injured is also a likely trade-out option. So yes. we've got a couple of price points in the midfield uh, to talk about. Who I know who caught my eye. Um, who caught your eye for you know this round and potential trade-in options? You know what? Probably more players than have ever caught my eye in a week that I didn't expect to catch my eye. Um, <laughs> okay. There was, there was a lot of good midfielders this week, a lot of different names in there up in the higher scores for the week, um, which is great to see, and a lot of viable options that we're hopefully going to discuss. I'll start off. Um, I was hesitant to talk about Butters, but I won't be hesitant to talk about Travis Boak. He scored 160 um, in 2.8% of teams. He's priced 20K below Dangerfield, about 100K above Matt Rao. So depending on your situation, he, he could be a viable trade-in. The thing with Travis is he can be he can be the guy to play a little bit more team-friendly. Um, and if someone else is picking up those midfield points for a game, like Ollie Wines tends to have some high scores, and you know, we've got a few players returning, like Rosie, who can have some dynamic scores as well. Um, he, he could be the one to just drop back and, and play a support role, uh, which tends to lead in a few of the sub-tons uh, during the season. But 160 is, in my opinion, probably going to be his best score of the game, and I think we've just missed it. Uh, so yep. if if anything, I think he's unfortunately a bit of a point-chasing option as much as I love the guy. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think next week against Dons, he probably cleans up as well. Your two best fixtures in a row right at the beginning of the season. Yep. So if you do own him, you're going to get another good score. But for those looking to trade somebody in, I think uh, there's some slightly better options. Uh, I guess Go I'm it. going to just throw one out yeah. right now. Sam Walsh, if you didn't start him, was absolutely phenomenal uh, for Carlton. He was in every contest. He was desperate to get the ball. 31 possessions, six marks, three tackles. He was incredible inside mid as well wasn't really playing super outside which you know typically <laughs> is what we want in a, a super coach scorer i i don't really know what to say except he blew me away and i would not be surprised if he went 110 even i wouldn't be surprised if he went 115 jb he, he was that yeah. good and he played against richmond i know they leak midfield points historically but he got 31 possessions as well and if you're getting 31 possessions as an inside mid you're going to do well you know throughout the season because this isn't something this is this is from a guy who's a genuine ball winner 
you know, what is the average Chizo's favorite stat where he didn't go below 23 touches in the, you know, under 18s carnival or whatever it was. And for he his first just, handful of games, AFL games, so I think it took yeah. him like eight or nine rounds before he went under 23. He's just fine. If he's playing as an inside mid and he's always, you know, going to be a big ball winner, he's just going to score bulk super coach points. So yeah. for me as well, he's had a cheaper price, only 560k, so you can make a little bit of money as well. 540 sorry he is definitely a very good pick and somebody that is extremely high on my radar this week yeah i don't, I don't want to add anything positive to that because i think you've done well there explaining the pick um i want to say it's disappointing for us who was so high in preseason. this is the type of guy that you want to look at um especially if you did like him preseason, because you're not just reacting to a big score um someone's done what you thought they were going to do um, but for whatever reason, maybe they were just better picks or you got the money for someone like McRae or something, but you didn't select him in your final team. And now you've got the opportunity to just correct Dangerfield down to Sam Walsh or Rao up to Sam Walsh um, and get that guy in. So this is the type of corrective trade that you're more so looking at rather than the, I didn't consider Travis Boak in the preseason, but he did score 160. So let's get him in. Um, I think Sam Walsh is great. Is there any chance that he gets tagged? Cripps did not look good again this game. Cripps started well, and then he kind of had someone sit on him and just he didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> After halftime, he was like, all right, I've done my best work. It's a Do bit you disappointing. Do he still draws the tag enough to, to keep Walsh sort of in the clear? Because I'm worried about the type of player that he is with the tag. I think I think Walsh can just outrun. He'll play more outside in the game, so he's going to be tagged, and he'll just outrun and run the player off his feet who's trying to tag him. I, I would be still trying to tag Cripps as hard as it is to tag an inside player. He... I don't know if he's. I don't know what's going on with Cripps. I don't know if he's got the fight or will. If you do tag him, he might just roll over and die I, this year. I, I, Who knows? I, I regret even bringing up Cripps' name on this podcast. I don't want to discuss him. <laughs> um, a guy who has learned to break the tag um, and be really successful with it on or off him, uh, Tom Mitchell, 135 Supercoach points, about a million touches in the second half of the game <laughs> uh, with Hawthorne's comeback win against Essendon. He was instrumental um, his scoring suggested as much. He had a really, really large second half. I couldn't tell you what he was on at halftime, but I'd say at least 80 points of his 135 were yeah. scored in the second half, um, which is is great. It's it's classic Tom Mitchell um, having so many disposals and um, obviously scoring a lot of super coach points. Well, it's what we're used to from a couple of years ago when he won the Brownlow for us um, before the broken leg. The thing that concerns me is that year that Tom Mitchell won the Brownlow, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Hawthorne were top four that year. That was like the really Hawthorne, out of the box Hawthorne year. have been good for most of the time that, that Tom Mitchell good, yeah. was good. And yeah. now Hawthorne are not super good. So my concern is in a win um, that he got some hefty, hefty scowling late in um, for a 135. Is he the obvious pick or are we not thinking quite hard enough about it? I'm really on the fence about Tom Mitchell and, and how much we do or don't need to think about this selection because he could drop some more 80s and 90s than what we used to if they do lose a lot of games this year. So he did get 17 touches in a single quarter in the third quarter when the game was on the line. 17. So when you see someone that gets 39 possessions, I definitely think that it's overthinking by not wanting to get them in the side because... Not many people are capable of that, and it's funny because like even if Titch needed forty touches to score well every week, he is a chance to get forty touches Absolutely. every single week, just the way that he plays the game. I do have some concerns still 
uh, watching him and I mean he got I mean what what boxes were we really trying to tick he tackled five times he got 39 touches he played 83 percent time on ground he pretty much ticked all the boxes but you're right Hawthorne did win it was a lot in that junk time I didn't not junk time sorry in the when the game was on the line I didn't really notice him in the first half much at all I do I do have I do have some concerns but they're not super strong concerns I I would be blown away if Titch didn't finish in the top eight midfielders this season I think he's a really safe pick he's the same price as Dangerfield you could just trade you know someone who's going to be top of their line for another guy that's going to be top of the line plus he's really consistent he rarely has bad games as well so in a year of potential uncertainty around the captaincy options he could be the guy that we rely on for captaincy options he also Hawthorne play after Melbourne very often so if you do have a loophole it could be worthwhile doing something like a gone into a tom mitchell for example over you know the next couple of weeks to try and shuck big scores from gone and if it fails you still have that safety net of tom mitchell okay i i reluctantly agree because i think walsh is, <laughs> is this is so good and i really want to pick walsh but tom mitchell is a very obvious pick um, I want to talk about two players at once here. I've only got a few more to rattle off at you. Um, two young guns, Andrew McGrath, Andrew Brayshaw, two young Andrews, um, priced at 5'10 and 5'44", uh, respectively, 133, 125, respectively, um, in no teams, uh, both 2 per, 2% or under. Um, both were amazing, and both looked like the, the rules of the game really suited their game styles. Um, Brayshaw is just an absolute ball magnet. I think like he just... I know he still had... I think he still had lowish time on ground, which is frustrating for coaches, but he is a magnet. He's going to suit the Supercoach game so well for so many years. Um, and Andrew McGrath looked like he wasn't a child anymore. He, he obviously has put on a lot of muscle in the off-season. He still maintained his speed and his burst away from packs. Um, he looked like their best player in a team where Zach Merritt was extremely good for the day. Um, of these two guys, do you think either of them are viable? Andrew McGrath's only 20k more than Matt Rowe, which is really cheap. Um, are they viable to be top 8 to 10 midfielders, perhaps? Are they viable to um, at least give that a crack, or are they just sort of traps waiting to, to foul on you? Big call. I think both will go 110 this season. That's a which huge I think is call. a huge call. Yeah, big, big call. Brayshaw last season, we saw him have this run of games from round five onwards. He averaged 108 supercoach points. Uh, I think people forget how good he was as a scorer. In a row, he had this period, he went 144, 122, 102, 136, 106, 150, 67, 122, 115. In a row, those are big scores. I think we forget how insanely good he was and now it's his midfield Fife is playing more forward it's Brayshaw's midfield now he's the main guy and he looks up for the task he's an absolute ball magnet as you said still only 79% time on ground I just struggle to see a world where he's not a good pick this season like it's night and day when you're trying to select like him and like Taranto or something I just see Brayshaw's potential so there goes the next guy I was like, going to talk about. He's yeah, sorry. He he's just <laughs> there's so much there to like. He's already had the past history of like semi breaking out. And I think this is going to be a year where he fully breaks out. I mean, Fremantle didn't even win the game and he scored that well. So he's someone I'm very high on. Andrew McGrath. 
I was watching him and thinking this this one he's a beast now. He's like mm. muscly everywhere. Like his huge chest to match his huge arms to match his huge chin. But he looks like an absolute A grade footballer playing out there. 11 tackles is what gets me. He was not just in every contest, but when he wasn't winning the ball, he was tackling hard. I this didn't seem like somebody who just was having like a really good game. This looked like somebody who's going to have an entire like great season and just be the player that Essendon hoped he would be. So for me, watching that, that wasn't a fluke. That 133 that he scored wasn't a fluke. I, I think he's going to have a really good season. If I had to rank them, I probably would feel more comfortable picking Brayshaw. three, sorry, with, with Walsh Oof. as well. My God, this they're is They're all the same price point, essentially, and they're all achievable they from Rao and Dangerfield, obviously. I feel like Walsh is the safe pick because his downside, I think, is still... like I don't see him going sub-105. In no world do I see him averaging sub-105, whereas I can see worlds where Brayshaw and McGrath can average 105. I don't think it's going to happen, but I can see a world where that does happen. I probably, yeah. if I had to put them in order, would be Walsh, Brayshaw, and McGrath just because Brayshaw has already had that kind of breakout before in, in last season. So there's more runs on the board. But if I was going to be picking for ceiling, I probably would put a Brayshaw, then Walsh, and then McGrath. So I guess we've got to take that into consideration. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I yeah, jeez, really all three, all three just look incredible. Absolutely Exciting. incredible. I'm excited to watch football with these guys playing. Someone who's in more teams than Andrew and Andrew um, together, not combined, just individually. Um, Bailey Smith, 2.8% of teams. He's the second most traded in player, um, or second most popular trade, sorry, uh, this round. I think it's because he's essentially the same price as Matt Rowe. A lot of people are just seeing the 123 and going side to side. Um, He does not have that midfield role that we really, really want from him. Um, 110, I think, is out of his grasp. I think I think I see more of a 90 to 95 average this year. Um, yep. And I, I feel like I need to call out the, the trappy type scenario that we've got here uh, and just not to, to chase the points. I think if you watch the game or if you just watch the mini-match that AFL are doing, you'll see that most of his disposals are coming up at the football from the forward line or attacking it from the wing. Um, they're just not going to have games where he does that often enough for him to be viable. So just watch out for the, the trap picks. Um, I think LDU, despite him having an incredible first quarter um, and him looking like an incredible player of the future, um, I think I speak for everyone when I say he's, he's going to be a superstar. Again, um, without Cunnington and Jed Anderson, uh, Jai Simpkin was a little bit down. Um, I just don't think LDU is going to have enough in him. He's only 432k, so he's like semi mid pricerish, but I just again think he's a, a huge trap that you end up having to trade out yep. again later in the season. Um, I'm trying to just scroll along here and, and spot Do you anyone think else. If you missed someone like uh, Oliver or McRae, a Zeret type player, would you be just if you had 30k in your bank, you could pretty much get any of them. Uh, would you be going up there instead? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Oliver, I think I think is. Um, Odds on for me to be the number one midfielder this year. 
closely, very closely followed by McRae. Um, and I'm not forgetting Neil, despite him looking really sluggish over the weekend. I think he's around the three to five range this year. Um, but that's wow. that's that's, that's, a, that's a big call. That's bigger than my call. It's why I didn't start him. But and it's mostly due to the fact that I think Oliver and McRae both improve well with this um, different type of scoring, and that Neil just can't maintain the Brownlow level play that he had last year, which we saw already in round one. Um, I don't know how that score would have registered on his last season's worst scores, but he's already pulled it out in the first week of football. So, um, And without a tag as well, mind you. So I just I feel like it's just going to be a slight change of guard. Um, not to say that they're going to average much more than Neil, but I think they're both like in a real good position to, to overtake or score the same as um, yeah. for a cheaper price. So they just they just offer great value still at their prices, which is crazy. I like McRae as my number one pick. He's gone, you know, 127 before he's pushed 130. He's mm. got that scoring history. The rules suit him to a T, I think, for me. Yeah, he, he's just a great McRae's one. The, McRae's my number one goal. And i got one more for you. Oliver's right below. And Zeret, Zeret looks phenomenal. He, he just did. didn't step up when the game was on the line. But he was all everywhere for the whole match as well. You know, he had 31 touches himself. And a goal, and only in seventy four percent game time. So this guy he got stuck on the bench, but yeah, he he's a good pick as well. This guy's in more teams than Zeret, outscored Zeret, and is about one hundred and seventy k cheaper than Zeret. You dismissed him earlier, Tim Taranto, one hundred and seven points this week with twenty seven percent ownership. Uh, the last player I really want to discuss because if you do want to make money from Rao and potentially go Rao and Dangerfield to Taranto and Oliver. Um, I think it's just in a lot of people's plans if they do have those two players in that situation. Um, yep. It's like a bit of a quick cash grab whilst kind of getting the same guy that you already had type of situation. I just don't feel good about using a trade on Rao to get another speculative potential top 10 guy like Rao was. Um, if you're going to get rid of Rao, which obviously we have to due to LTR, which sucks, um, I would just make sure it's a sure thing afterwards so I'm not wasting more trades on my you know starting M5 um, and with Taranto the game really suited him this week this game did um, he played better than what his super coach points um, show because he was inefficient with the ball he had a high dream team um, much higher dream team to super coach ratio which has pretty much been his last career yeah. long thing um, and he only scored 107 in like ideal Tim Taranto conditions with a lot of disposal. So um, after seeing that game, I'm f- way less interested in him than I was preseason. Um, if he converted that into a 115 plus, I'd, I'd understand. But um, just hitting a 107 on one of the better games or better situations for him on the year, I, I just think he's really disappointing. He's still got a good ceiling. I think he'll have some big games, but um, that does not convince me that he has a good floor at all. I think it's still a fine pick. I definitely don't think if if you have Dangerfield and Raul, I probably wouldn't be going down further. I would have. I probably would take something like I don't know. I guess maybe we should talk about combinations, JB. You have Raul and you have Dangerfield. Which two players are you, are you picking? A Taranto and an Oliver? Are you picking a Dunkley and a Walsh? Um, are you picking like a Titch and a Zorko? Let, a let's, Dusty get, let's get this and straight. A Boke? Let's get like, this straight. What, what you have, combos are you doing? If you have Dangerfield and not Dunkley. And someone offers you 50k to make that switch right now, you bite their hand off and use that 50k to go up to someone like Walsh. Dunkley and Walsh of that combo just seems incredible. Like two of the two of yeah. our most preferred players, and you get them both from that situation. So I think that you, yeah, you take that and run. 
Um, if you can't quite do that, if you've already got Dunkley, if you've already got Walsh, um, if things get a little bit more complicated, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to Boke, even though it offers you 20K. Um, if you want to make the money, which I think you probably will, maybe even miss Tom, Mitch, Tom Mitchell, um, and then, then you're looking at lower prices. I think Walsh is really good for people if they want to make money. He offers that opportunity. Um, only 50K up from Rouse. So you only need to find 50K from Dangerfield. Um, I guess who would the combination be? Dane Zorko's a mid-forward, um, so trading him in would be fine, I think, in regards to Dangerfield and Rao as a combination. That's Zorko and yeah. um, I think Zorko and Walsh Titch is probably... Zorko and Titch, if you can afford it, is probably... If you had a 30, 30K spare... Yeah, you'd have there. to have a 30K spare. That's tough, though. It's tough, but I think that that's probably the optimal combo. Yeah, that would be great. Of all of those. Walsh and Zorko is a fine second place, I think. Yeah, it's very close. It's hard. Yeah. To, I mean, you're splitting. What are you splitting there? Jeez, Louise, that is. It's yeah, almost it's a coin tough. flip. <laughs> it's tough, but like a combination of the guys that we have, depending on your bank, um, I think he's great. I think you have a lot of options. It's good that Dangerfield's priced where he is. It sucked in the preseason when you wanted that extra twenty k from somewhere, but um, I think he gives you a lot of opportunity to make some money and, and still maintain your points per game output, which is great. So it it could have been worse. He could have. You know, done it in an injury or something like that in the third week and lost a lot of money, which we all hate. Um, I think that essentially wraps up yep. Dangerfield and Rao. Um, I hope let's, so. let's move on to a little bit of rookie watch, uh, specifically a man by the name of Golden who scored 139 on the weekend. Um, let's just quickly discuss this week. We know that two players have gone down with LTIs or Dangerfield isn't an LTI, but you know what I mean, long-term out of the game. LTO even. Um, <laughs> yeah. Long term out. There we go with that. Yep. Um, so they they are essentially priority one and two, regardless of what else you have going in your team. They need, they, they need to get out. Um, that leaves us with the question of if you've missed someone like Gordon, um, do you potentially hold Dangerfield? Do you get Gordon in this week and, and make the other move next week? If you only have one of Rao and Dangerfield, do you prioritize Gordon this week or do you wait till next week? I'm a firm believer coming off of the year of trading in guys every second week because we had to because the prices changed because Supercoach thought they were helping us but they weren't. Um, that we will that we have to wait until that third game and get them in. Then Gordon could get an LTI like any other anyone else in the game next week. And God, I don't, hope it doesn't happen. But anything is possible in this game, and you don't want to trade yeah. in a season long donut just because you're a little bit too eager or you thought you'd potentially get ahead of something else happening next week. Um, realistically, for me, I think there was only about 15 or 16 selectable rookies um, to start the season. One of them was McNeil. Two of them, I'm not including the three Ruckman, because I don't know what you guys, weirdos, have with your Ruck structures, but um, essentially they don't count for your other on-field stuff anyway. Um, but essentially, McNeil is one of them. If you have him, then you, you stuff that pick up. Probably. Um, huh. you, Ouch. You're probably going to be. Thanks. <laughs> you're probably going to be moving him to one of the guys that you missed, which is either Jordan, um, Gordon, or I mean, if you miss Brockman, you're probably fine. Um, but there's a couple of other guys where you know maybe Barry was speculative, but he looks like he's going to find some job security. Um, and yep. Bergman's one of those rookies as well, so he's probably a correctional out next week if he doesn't survive. Um, the axe as well. So all I'm saying is there aren't suddenly going to be three or four guys that approach you next week where you're going to have to prioritize one over the other or miss out on rookies or like you likely have all of them besides maybe one. Um, so if you've got one guy to deal with this week, just deal with him this week, look to next week 
Um, nothing. The only thing that could really stop you from doing something like Gordon is if you get two more LTIs in one week. Um, if we as a community get two more and we are left to deal with them, in that case, I'd probably just leave one of them on the bench for an extra week and, and pick Gordon up that week still anyway. So I don't know if it's really a discussion pistol if I just spoke you through it. No, I actually disagree with you. So I'm <gasps> glad that you managed to get through that for the last couple of minutes. And you didn't I stop me? sat quiet. No, no. I, I wanted to hear the rationale behind it. I listened and just disagree with you. I think... Uh, I agree that the rookies are less speculative now, but we've got this good sample. I mean, anything could happen. I mean, Brockman might score 140 next week and, you know, you might want to get him instead or whatever it might be. But the big one for me is what if Gorn or Grundy score like 50 next week? Like literally just score terribly and look terrible. Then you have a situation where potentially we would have to look at removing one of them if we needed to. It's definitely not my priority right now, but hypothetically, you might need two trades to downgrade one and upgrade somewhere else on your field. So I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I have to downgrade Grundy and then trade one of my rookies to Goulden and then I don't have that flexibility to trade in a primo. I'm just playing a primo down that week. That is not something that I'd like to do. So for me, Goulden... I think is fine to trade in one week early just to give you that flexibility of two trades for next week. I think that the pro for me outweighs the risk of injury. No, outside I mean, of injury, there's no look, risk. You're 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 weighing it up as the risk of Grundy also being bad, the risk of you wanting to trade him, finding someone to trade him to, having the money there, and then needing to get a premium in that week over. Um, the future of cash generation that Golden's going to provide you. So um, over Golden getting injured, that's what you, that's the decision. Yeah, it's either you think Golden's going to get injured or Grundy's going to do badly. I think there's more likely. Grundy's I think it's more likely the premium that averaged 120 plus in the last two years does badly two weeks in a row than potentially a, than a rookie who's <laughs> never played terrible. AFL football that we'd have no idea about long term injury concerns at all getting injured yeah. in a game of football. Yeah, I think Grundy's way more of a risk. Okay. I mean, it sounds like we're just going to have to agree to disagree <laughs> yeah, on this I one. We, I think we are. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, I would, a dark turn. I would not make any correctional trades until they're about to hit their price rise. It was our golden rule two years ago, and we've forgotten it because of this whole two price rise thing, two two round price rise thing that we had last year. And now it's like, oh, no, it's fine. We survived most of last year except all those donuts that we got in our field. So, um, yeah, it should be fine. It's not necessarily going to be fine <laughs> Gordon could score 20 next week and get dropped the week I'll let you have the last word week. yeah I will have the last word because I'm the host and it's my podcast <laughs> um, no, oh, okay. no, no you make a good point um, I, I just think no matter what going one premium down one week and having having another look <laughs> at the premium options and where you're going to spend that money you might want to spend that money in two trades anyway you might only be going half a premium down for one week Half the premium down. Like I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, what, let's what, move on. I anyway, think we've, anyway. We've got, our, we've, we've got it out. Get out of my head. Can't put it back in. Okay. Um, let's 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 go in. Are we going to uh, are we going to discuss point. which rookies we want to field this coming week? Yes, I do. I don't. I don't think I anyone wants to hear what ones. you have to say about it. I feel it all the wrong ones. So now listen to me. No, well, no, I'll tell no. you which ones to fill this week. <laughs> no, I think you throw to me for this, um, and you you sit down there with a notepad and take notes as well. All right, I'm taking. I'm listening. Okay. Who's on your field this week? 
Whoa. I mean, who 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 are the options? Who am I weighing up here? So Rowe is on the field this week. Pick pick the best best one on every line. No, you know, pick the best two on every line, and we'll just go from there. Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go beyond that because both Sydney players, Campbell and Warner, against Adelaide, are both fieldable this week. Rowe against okay. Sydney, alternatively, is fieldable this week. Both of them had good wins yes. last week. One of them's going to win this game. Um, you're going to get some high scores from some rookie somewhere. Uh, that applies to Gordon so as well. So would you bench Dow? Like, is, if you, if, is that your alternative, potentially? Like, is Dow on your bench for Rowe? He's not or, on or my bench, but yeah, I guess I know what you mean if, if that's where you've got the weight of your rookies um yeah he's not on my bench i would probably bench him for those three including is, is bergman fieldable against essendon no at adelaide oval no, no, no he's not fieldable this week uh, against I think, adelaide oval i think if he's named he does better but he's an emergency this week okay after what we saw Ooh. last week and, and the difference between his amy nerves and his actual game nerves um, he he's as likely to pull out a thirty as he is a seventy. I think seventy yeah. is about as high as he goes. Um, Warner scored seventy this week. Rose scored one hundred and four. Golden scored one hundred and thirty nine. Um, Campbell only scored fifty six, but I think he played better than fifty six considering the conditions and the type of play that he is. Um, I'd back them all to go above Bergman most weeks um, until he gets some confidence. Even Dow, like, would you back? I mean, for me, I'm yeah, looking at my Dow. field. I'm weighing up Dow versus Bergman. That, you can't switch that's, it that's into That's what's going through me. I wouldn't want to. I like my midfielders more than I like Dow. Okay. Um, it's t- Yeah, I guess that's tougher. I'd, I'd probably Adelaide bench Oval. I'd probably bench Surely, him. yeah. Bergman, surely. Surely. I'm, when am I going to get two 30s in a row? No, I'll probably get 20s this week. No, no, no. I'll play, about, <laughs> I'll, I'll play Dow over Bergman strictly for that floor. What about because the sub... Potentially, it could be a sub, and that would just ruin me. Bergman could be, are you saying? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. That would ruin me. So that would ruin you. For the safety of, because of the sub is the only reason I am going to have Bergman. No, no, on because my bench. of Dow's floor playing a midfield role against Bergman's floor of playing a halfback role that actually has a hundred halfbackers is why you should make that decision. Well, Bon is out, so I, I think he's a winger. Uh, yeah, I think Bergman, here we go. This is his 70-plus game. <laughs> it can't be, risk. It could be. Okay, let's move into the midfield. I think Golden's obviously fieldable this week. Um, North Melbourne <laughs> against Gold Coast. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> North Melbourne against Gold Coast. I don't mind Power this week. I think Barry um, is probably a better fieldable option than Power. Um, yep. I'm essentially fielding every rookie from that Adelaide versus Sydney game, um, so that's funny. I thought Power was good, um, but essentially Barry just has that role like... In abundance, it's un, it's unreal. They're playing in Sydney. I don't know if there's still going to be waterlogged there at that point, but he would be perfect for some waterlogged football. He would, but I think it's going to clear up. It doesn't seem to after tomorrow. It's not going to rain again in Sydney for the rest of the week. But who knows if the the, the ground will recover by then? Yeah, that's there's been true. that much water. But um, yeah, Barry, I agree. I, I think he is. I, I at the moment leaning towards playing Barry overpower. Overpower, yep. Scott was good, but I think he's just going to hover around that mark. Um, yeah, a lot. Like essentially, all of his scores will be around that mark within five points of. Um, so that's fine. I don't think he really has the ceiling to rush him onto your field anyway. Um, if you're feeling a defender like I am, uh, you got Cosy Sharp and Highmore back there um, as potential on-field options. Highmore had 19, 19 disposals or seventeen disposals. Yep. Nineteen. It's two. 
Either way, it was too yeah, good. It was yeah, <laughs> essentially he's too good not to field against um, a team like yep. I know I know who they're playing, but it's just left me here. Uh, Melbourne, Melbourne. Yeah. So Melbourne. if you at th- Marvel as well, if you think they're a good chance of winning the game, then Highmore's a really good on-field option. He was. I don't know if you guys like you not you specifically, but the listeners saw um, Saint Kilda play, but he was actually in a lot of the defensive stoppages. Not like do you know how players in defence usually stand three or four meters back with their forward? Um, he was actually in there in the stoppage, getting like little handballs out and, and stuff like that. He looks like a seriously good young player, um, and I think sixty is about what he should hover out for most of his games with a high floor for a rookie. Um, well, nineteen possessions just is absolutely fantastic. I think yeah. um, JB, the only rookie we might be overlooking in that midfield is James Jordan, um, also a Marvel Stadium, obviously playing against the Saints. Yep. Would you be playing him over Barry or, or Powell? No, the only thing that... Uh, yeah, I'd probably play him over Powell. The only thing that concerns me with him over Barry um, is Barry's in that first-choice midfield, whereas Jordan, although I think he will be, with Viney coming back, potentially might not be. Um, yeah. And I'm only playing risk. on that potential, yeah. Um, I just want the highest floor out of these rookies. I'm not essentially... I'm not always looking for that big 100 score like Gordon but um, when it comes to floors Barry's position in the team is a lot safer than Jordan so um, I feel a lot better about going Barry so when you press your super coach optimizer and uh, Flynn goes on the field and, and Grundy <laughs> goes to the bench and Flynn becomes your captain um, how viable is it to, to play Flynn this week if you have um <laughs> if you have some other Ruckman options that might potentially be Grundy and Gorn or if you have Hickey or somebody else, no, uh, what not- order are you playing them? Are you playing? You're not playing Flynn. No, not viable this week. Um, <laughs> he's coming off of a game that um, Gorn just played and scored 93 on. Um, they're, they're switching fixtures, actually. That's pretty crazy. Um, but essentially... Darcy should be coming in due to the injuries that they got to Alex Pierce and Hamling and like literally their entire other makeup of their team. Um, so they'll be playing probably Meek and Darcy. Both of them will be floating through Flynn. Um, that's a really tough ask for someone in their second game. And even despite how good he was in his first game against an SANFL level Ruckman who's playing due to injury, um, that's super tough to follow up on at Optus. So... Um, I think everything's against Flinney. I can still see him pulling out an 80, but um, look, let's let's back our big Ruckman to score well. Um, yep. <laughs> please. Um, oh, and then and the players like Hickey and stuff, I mean, if you've got Hickey and Flynn rotating at R2 and R3, I, I suppose play Hickey this week, but you're also crazy. So I don't know if you're listening to our podcasts. <laughs> um, JB, I was going to say, are there any concerns about Gorn and Grundy. And I, I can see a lot of chatter online about people wanting to make a move on them this week. But how how do you see the situation? It, it's, so, it's so difficult. I would... I, geez, I would not be making a move this week. Um, well, that answers that question. We, yeah, I mean, like, we there, there is just so much more data that we can soak in, um, not just from the two Ruckman that we have in our teams but from every Ruckman if it's an across the board thing um, trading up still might not be the option but it's something that I'd at least like to assess when that data is presented to me in an 18 game sample size rather than what we've had just in the week one um, but in terms of future of the two Ruckman 
Um, I'm definitely scared about Grundy, owning Grundy. Um, Gorn, not so much. Grundy, I'm definitely concerned with. So he's my guy this Thursday. I'll be watching every minute of and watching closely, uh, like concerned if I should trade him out or not. Uh, it sucks because, as I was saying earlier, talking about Dangerfield, I don't ever want to trade out somebody who I'm going to want to trade back in and have you know in the top two of the ruck line. I, I, I don't want to do that. You could just be happy with Gorn and Grundy for the whole season, conserve your trades. Trades are so precious, especially in a year like this. Uh, it's, it's really difficult. But if I were to see somebody like Hickey go back-to-back 120 pluses and he's priced at 260k and he's going to then have a break-even of like negative 140 or something and potentially go up 100k in a single week and if Grundy looks like dropping 100k in a single week, you've got to ask the questions just in terms of money. I mean, trades, we've been valuing at 150k. You know, there's your 150k right there. If Grundy's dropping 100k and, you know, Hickey's going up 100k, you're, you're making what yep. you need to make. Straight away. So it's something that we will consider, but only after this round. I'm not making any Grundy moves. will score and I, 127 this week. I'm, I'm, I, I still have a lot more faith probably than others in both of them doing really well. Yep. I'm, I'm pretty confident in both of them scoring really well this week. So might just be blind faith, but that's what, that's what I'm going to back this, this round. Okay, so we're going to discuss vice-captains and captains in um, the later week podcast that we'll try to do. I think we're going to go back to two per week, or if it's not a podcast, potentially something a little bit more live stream type of vibe. Um, I don't want to tease too much in case my producer, Chizo, yells at me for teasing too much. (laughs) Um, But essentially, yeah, we're, we're going to look at options to get two pieces of content out to you each week. Um, last year was tough. Thursday games to make it really hard. To, and yeah, now we've got a Thursday games for the first like five weeks. Um, yeah. But still, um, I think they're, uh, for what I could say right now, will be a show to look forward to later on in the week, which is great. Um, and until then, Pistol, I think that's us done for, for this podcast. What else What else do you have on the agenda? Yeah. No, Nothing? just uh, a message to our patrons. A reminder, if you haven't checked our patron, we, do, we are running a tournament at the moment. You just need to press the link to enter the tournament so please read that if you would like to be involved in a super coach tournament uh check out our patreon um sign up <laughs> and then just jump straight in do we, do we know so what prize we can that would be yet? great yeah it'll be some uh dr super coach merch uh mm. so they're yeah some good prize good fun tournament i'm really looking forward to it and and all you have to do is sign up to our lowest tier to get involved that's it and then you just press the join button basically on the patreon post and you're in am i in the tournament or do i have to make a burner account <laughs> you got to press the, the join button oh really? i'm not going to press it for you ah i thought i was like automatically given entry or something no okay. it doesn't work like all that right, i guess i'll follow the link all right so thank you everyone for listening um hopefully that answers most of your questions apologies if the deep dives weren't quite as deep as what you'd like personally um a lot of the things are obviously team dependent as we say each week feel free to message us on twitter um you can find myself at jb underscore drsc at pistol underscore drsc and at chizo with an o at the end underscore drsc um we obviously are all 
receptive on Twitter and if you do have a more team-friendly question or you're weighing up a certain couple of players or you think we'll miss someone even, um, tweet out at us so we can have a look at it and discuss further with you. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, we will catch you later on during the week. Bye.